When I was growing up, I really liked to read. I actually still like to read, and we had a summer reading program at our local library, and you could win all sorts of stuff. I also like to win, so that's that's nice. And as summer wound down, you kind of turn in the points you got from reading. You get like a pencil and eraser that you'd lose on the way home or whatever. Maybe a pizza you got from Pizza Hut. Or the big prize, really, that my family really liked were tickets to the Indianapolis Indians minor league baseball game. And one of the types of books that I liked to read when I was growing up were called Choose Your Own Adventure Books. Anybody, anybody read those? Somebody, a round of applause for Choose Your Own Adventure books. Somebody down here. Yeah. People will clap for anything. That's so funny to me. All right. So Choose Your Own Adventure, you know, The Cave of Time. Choose Your Own Adventure, like Journey Under the Sea. Choose Your Own Adventure, Space and Beyond. So if you're not familiar with these books, here's kind of how they went. You'd start the story, and you're kind of like the main character in the story. And you start to read, you're going into the cave of time, and you hear a weird sound coming from in front of you. And then it will go like, what do you do? And then you have a choice. Literally, you choose your own adventure. And it would be like, you hear the sound, A, you choose to call out to the noise, or B, you choose to run forward. And then it would say... If you choose to call out, turn to page 34. If you choose to run forward, turn to page 18. And inevitably, you kind of turn to the page, you turn to page 34, you read a few pages, you have another decision to make, and it's kind of like a game. Like make all the right choices and get to the end of the book and get out of the cave of time alive or whatever. And here's the thing. I didn't like making the wrong choices, really. I didn't like to turn to page 34 and then fall out, you know, find out that I like fell down a hole and died or whatever, like right away. Didn't like that at all. So here's what I would do. I would peek at the end of the book. I would just go to the end. And I'd be like, okay, so then, okay, so then I need to go to page 54, and then I need to go to page 49, and then, and I just kind of work my way backwards to figure out the best choices. And then I go all the way back to the beginning, I'd be like, nope, joke's on you, I'm not going to page 34, I'm going to page 18. So I cheated, basically, at reading. I don't, I don't know. But it's kind of like the ultimate spoiler alert, right? I found out that people like will read a mystery novel and they'll turn to the end and read like the last chapter of the mystery novel. Like what? Why would you do that? But we kind of like to know where things are going. We like to know the ending. We've been in a series that we've been calling spoiler alert. And we've been talking about kind of the end of the world and also the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And this is our last week in that series. Well, I thought you'd go like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. But my hope is that through this last eight weeks that the two kind of main things that we wanted to make sure in the series were that you started to go, I can understand the book of Revelation. Like I I can kind of see how this all fits together and why it's in the Bible and and how that all works. And then also that you would see that if you follow Jesus, Revelation is really a book about hope and it impacts our lives today. Like it's relevant to what's happening right now, not because it's a secret code book or anything, but because hope is relevant to what's happening in our lives right now, to the stories being written in your life right now. So it kind of made me think, what story is being written in your life right now? Because it could be all sorts of different things, right? Are you writing a love story, maybe? You have your eye on somebody, you're about to propose, you kind of hope that the music swells and then you ride off into the sunset or something like that. Are you writing a mystery story? You know, is it a whodunit? How am I going to get out of this predicament? What decision do I need to make? How am I going to, you know, work this out? I hope it's not a murder mystery story. That would not be a good thing for any of us. 
Are you, are you writing kind of that choose your own adventure? Like, do you have something in front of you that you're like, I don't know how to navigate this. I don't know what to do. You want to take a peek at what's coming? See, in all of our stories, all sorts of things happen, right? There's good stuff. There's bad stuff. There's really good stuff. There's really bad stuff. And we think in our stories, sometimes we kind of have this point that we're like, I kind of want to know where this is going. I want to know if this is going to have a happy happily ever after type of ending, or I don't really want to deal with, you know, the bad decisions. I don't really want to deal with the hurt or the pain or the struggle. Actually, next week, we're starting a new series here, and it's called The Guide to Every Decision You'll Ever Make in Your Entire Life. I had to read it. It's so long. And it's about God's will. It's about what does it look like to make decisions that honor God? What does God want? What's his will for your life? And I think that kind of goes hand to hand with the book of Revelation. And sometimes in our stores, we just don't know how to navigate the bad stuff. We try to avoid all the bad stuff. We think the pain will never end. The story will not end the way that we want. And this is the last week of the series, and it's the end of the book of Revelation. It's talking about the end of the world where everything comes together. All the things we've been talking about the last eight weeks. You know, the seven churches, the lamb, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the dragon, the mark of the beast, seven bulls, fall of Babylon, the final battle, the final judgment, you know, the timeline that Jerry and Reed have been talking about over the last couple of weeks, you know, the rapture, rapture. I wanted to get a 1980s Blondie reference into, into this. Nobody, nobody has any idea what I'm talking about. Fab Five Freddy, tell me everybody. One person knows what I'm talking about. All right. But the reality is, this is the perfect ending to the perfect story, the greatest story ever told. And don't forget tonight, we're going to talk about, you know, some of these questions that maybe you've had. One of the questions we're going to answer is, when bad things happen today, is that God's punishment? We're going to kind of answer some of those types of questions that come up. It's a great way to end the series. Jerry Reed and I are going to be up here. We're going to sing some songs. It's going to be kind of a good good space and good way to wrap up this series. But we're going to kind of wrap up the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22 today. And this is how John describes all of that kind of as we talk talking about heaven and what new heaven and new earth is going to look like. So this is Revelation 21, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I love that imagery. I have the the opportunity, the privilege, the honor to officiate weddings sometimes. And one of the things that I really enjoy in a wedding is I get a unique perspective and I get to see somebody, you know, kind of coming down the aisle, see the bride coming down the aisle. And then I got, I get to also see the groom's face at the same time. And they are, I mean, they're so filled with joy. I mean, hopefully they're so filled (laughs) with joy on that day. And that's kind of this imagery here, this imagery of like anticipation and love and joy and the type of love and and joy that God has for us. And then in verse three, you know, John kind of continues and he says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And then here's the most famous verse in the book of Revelation, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. 
You, uh, you ever seen the movie Sandlot? I love that movie. I love that movie. It's kind of a summer baseball fun movie, but there's a, there's a line in there, you know, and I kind of think about the movie Sandlot when I read this sometimes because there's a character that goes forever kind of in it. And when I read this, I kind of go, death is gone forever and sorrow is gone forever. You can say it with me. It's fun. Crying is gone forever. Come on. Pain is gone forever. Right. It is amazing. It is huge huge. It's gone forever. And spoiler alert, revelation and the story ends with hope. And it ends with all of those things being gone forever, not just for a moment, forever. And like a kind, loving father, God wipes every tear from our eyes and the promises he gives throughout the Bible come to fruition. And there's no more death because it's been conquered. No more sorrow or crying or pain. They're gone. But not just for like a second, not just because we're having a good time, not just because we don't remember all of these other things or we've forgotten. No, death and sorrow and crying and pain are gone forever because we're with him. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what weight you have in your life. I don't know what story is being written in your life right now, what the choose-your-own-adventure type of thing is for you. Is it a chronic illness? Because it's gone in heaven forever. Like, is it maybe, I don't know, the weight of grief? Have you felt that? Like, it just doesn't go away. It comes in waves. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. It's gone forever. Mental illness, physical illness, Gone forever. Financial struggle, relationship struggle, any pain, any sorrow, any death, any crying, any of that. Do you have a, a decision you're trying to make? Do you, are you anticipating going back to school? Like what is going on in your life? I don't know. Do you have worry? Are you worried about the future? Are you worried about what's going on? Do you have trauma in your past? Because anything that causes death or sorrow or crying and pain, it's gone forever. But you want to know something amazing? That's not even where the hope ends in the book of Revelation. Not even close, actually. Check this out. This is 21 verse 5. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, John, write this down. I love that. He goes, Hey, pay attention, brother. Write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy. It's true. Oh, that's so good. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega. That's the first and last letter in the Greek alphabet. And he describes it. I'm the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. See, God is not just making all of the bad stuff go away. He's making everything new. Not just us new. All of creation is restored. It's new. And he says, it is finished. And what's finished? See, this is an echo from what Jesus says on the cross. It is finished. God has finished the story. God has made everything new. And then he kind of gets a little Debbie Downer-ish, just a little bit. Verse 21, 8. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, 
Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Why is that in there? Like we're in the hope part. Why is that in there? Well, don't forget, what's the purpose of the book of Revelation? See, this is a real letter to people in real places that John knew, and he's reminding them, and he's in turn reminding us to be conquerors, to be a part of this new heaven and new earth. We must be with Jesus. We must be faithful. We must choose him. And verse 8 is a reminder of what happens when we don't what it means to be against Jesus. John actually peppers you know, that reminder in the last two chapters of the book of Revelation as he kind of describes what it means and how important it is to be with Jesus. And then John goes on to describe, or do his best to describe, a new heaven and a new earth and what it will look like. And it's pretty incredible. I actually encourage you, if you're not reading along in the Ridge Reading Challenge, to read Revelation 21 and 22, like sometime this week or today. And what he's describing it doesn't quite fit into the confines of ordinary speech, right? And John is doing his best to describe it, but it's kind of like a little kid trying to describe something that they've never been able to understand before. They don't have the words to understand. This past week, I took my youngest daughter, she's four, her name is Ainsley, to the dentist. And so she, on the way home, we we're in the van, and I asked her, hey, what, what was uh, it like going to the dentist? Like, what happened? Now, I was in there the whole time, by the way. And she said, well, this lady put a silver gun in my mouth and squirted water all over me. No. But she didn't have, she didn't have the words to describe what was happening to her. She didn't know what she was experiencing. And John is doing his best to describe something that is indescribable. And he describes things like the glory of God shining. He talks about precious stones like jasper and gold. He talks about the pearly gates being from one ginormous pearl. He describes a perfect place that's not ruined by sin or pain or sorrow. This is an amazing thought. Can you imagine? And then he even says this. This is Revelation 21, starting verse 22. I saw no temple in this city. Why is that important? Well, the Israelites, people who were kind of following God in the Old Testament, the temple was the only way they could interact with God. He goes, I saw no temple in the city. Why? For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. See, God is with the people. He's dwelling among the people and his glory is so bright. It shines brighter than any sun and there's no need for anything else to give life other than God. They don't need any light because they are light. And this, they're talking about Jesus here when it talks about the lamb throughout Revelation. You know, the lamb is a reference to Jesus. And then John describes something else that kind of gives life coming from God, a river. This is Revelation 23, starting in verse two. It flowed down the center of Main Street on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month basically saying it's bearing fruit all the time. And the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. 
And here it is. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb Jesus will be there and his servants will worship him. So the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, is actually talking about the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1. And Adam and Eve, remember them? I have a love-hate relationship with Adam and Eve, partly because, you know, sin and all that stuff. But also my name is Adam and I introduce my wife, Abby, all the time. And people are like, where's Eve? (laughs) Now you all are going to do it. I know, I know. I set myself up for that. That's okay. But Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, you know, Genesis 1, with a river, with a tree of life. Sound familiar? But they disobeyed God, went against God's standard. That's sin. And with sin brought a curse. And that's in Genesis 3. And we've been dealing with the consequences of sin, of that curse ever since. We've been dealing with the pain. We've been dealing with the sorrow. We've been dealing with the death. We've been dealing with the crying. And John is making sure we understand, look, in new heaven and in new earth, there is no longer any curse. It's gone. John's describing the end of all of that. God is making things new. He's bringing life. We don't need a son because he's bringing life. We don't need water because he is enough. So no more sorrow or tears or pain or death. No more sin because it's gone forever. And Revelation twenty two twelve kind of says it like this. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all those according to their deeds. It's really talking about if you follow Jesus. And I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. From Genesis through Revelation, God has been writing the exact same story and you are a part of it. And we have the opportunity to look at the last page and see how it all turns out. We know the ups, we know the downs, we know who wins, and we're able to anticipate that Jesus is coming soon. And soon means soon God's perspective, not necessarily soon people's perspective. But he's going to finish things And God is the beginning and the end of the story and he's been in control the whole time. And then John kind of says, so this matters to us. This applies to us today. How are we supposed to respond? Revelation 22, 17 says, the spirit and the bride say, come, come on, follow Jesus. Let anyone who hears this say, come. See, this is our responsibility to to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. It's baked right in. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. Remember the holiday world? Family and I just went to holiday world. They give free drinks at holiday world. And I have a love-hate relationship with holiday world. I don't love water parks. So that's like half of it but I really like amusement parks. And so the family and I are walking around and we're kind of walking up and down, you know, the hill that's in Holiday World. There's like three hills in Indiana. One of them is in Holiday World. And so like we're walking around and it's hot, like 105 heat index or whatever. The sun's beating down, you know, you're walking around, kids are everywhere. But they have this thing they call an oasis. And it's just where you get drinks. But there's something about you walk in there and they're like this cold air is like blasting down on you. And, you know, I got probably the best drink of water I can remember in a long time. I mean, it was just so refreshing. It was so, so restorative. 
This is kind of the image here. The image is you come to Jesus and he gives, he meets your need in such a way that it's not just that he meets it, but that he meets it in a way that just brings joy, that is restorative, that's that blast of cold air that gives you everything that you might possibly need. He makes everything new. And there's a lot of stuff in the book of Revelation that we've talked about over the last eight weeks, and we've done our best to kind of explain things and to make sure we're not losing the force for the trees and make sure we understand the point that John is making. And so I'm going to kind of summarize a point that's really about the entire Bible from beginning alpha to end omega. Here's, here's kind of the point, I think. We have a choice, follow Jesus or follow Satan. A little too blunt. I was a little, a little nervous about putting that up because that is kind of, it's kind of in our face a little bit, but the reality is that's the choice. This is the most important choice you can possibly make. This is the choose your own adventure. Come to Jesus. Follow him. Celebrate. Anticipate the promises that are reserved for those who follow him. Or follow Satan into destruction. That's the choice. Now listen. Maybe you might be hearing this and you haven't really surrendered your life to Jesus before. So I'm just going to talk directly to you. If you've never really decided that you're going to follow Jesus, this is the choice, I think. And the choice might seem complicated to you. You might have all this other baggage that goes along with it, and I get that. It might seem scary. It might be more obvious now to you than it ever has been before. I don't know. But the choice you have is whether you're going to follow Jesus, surrender your life to Jesus, or not. And that's really it. Following Jesus doesn't mean you have to be perfect. I'm going to say it again. Following Jesus doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Following Jesus does not mean you have to have it all figured out before you do, because you don't after. Following Jesus does not mean you have to be squeaky clean. doesn't mean any of that. See, following Jesus means to surrender, to turn over our life to him, to trust him with everything. Because we need him, we fall short of God's standard. That started all the way back in Genesis. That's sin. That's the curse. That's the evil. And we can't make our relationship right on our own. We can't make things right. We can't make things new. We don't have the power to do so. You know how I know? Have you ever opened your refrigerator and gotten leftovers out of your refrigerator? They're not the same. We can't make it new. Have you ever tried to make something else with those leftovers? It doesn't work. And it gets moldy and it gets nasty. But here's my point. Here's my point. We can't do it. We can't make it new. We can't. I don't have the power. God does. Only God does. We follow Jesus because of what he did on the cross. That he died for our sins and we can't earn it and our friends can't earn it and I can't earn it, but Jesus can earn it and Jesus did earn it. But in following Jesus, we have this amazing hope that comes from God's grace. A great definition of grace is something that we don't deserve and we don't deserve this, but he gives us the choice anyway. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we're saying that we believe that from Genesis to Revelation, God has been in control. And we're saying that we believe that Jesus did die on the cross and that was the plan the whole time. And that three days later, he conquered death and rose again because God has been big enough and powerful enough to make things new. And it was for our benefit. It was for your benefit. It was for your neighbor's benefit. It was for the world's benefit. 
And if we follow Jesus, it provides hope today. And it provides this anticipation of the perfect tomorrow. Or you can follow the devil. Doesn't seem that enticing, does it? And I think that's actually one of the themes of Revelation. They're trying to make it so blatant and clear. Now, here's the thing. Today, the prince of lies, Satan, the devil, does everything possible to lure you away, to attract you away from the hope of Jesus. There's so much that brings us away from anything that is not Jesus lures us away. If we put anything before Jesus... And Satan wants us to follow him. And if we do, our fate is connected to his. And as described in Revelation as a lake of fire, hell. And that doesn't seem like much of a choice. It seems like, you know, a hamburger that's 30 days older, a filet mignon. I understand that. But that is the choice. Do we trust in the creator of the world or do we trust in the one who's trying to destroy the world? And I don't know what weight you have in your life. I don't know what pain you have in your life. And if you haven't listened to anything else, that's fine. But listen now. No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. Not because of what we can do. But because of what Jesus has already done. Maybe this is the first time you felt that nudge to believe. And that's a personal decision that we have to make. We have to choose. So here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. If you've never done that, we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to have a prayer. and You can repeat that prayer after me. But I want to challenge you. You know, I know I've talked to people who don't follow Jesus. Maybe you follow Jesus for a really long time. I want to challenge you. Prayers like this continue to challenge me. I continue to need to surrender my life, my heart, every area of my life and my heart to God. So it can just be another way to say, you know what, I do believe this, I'm going to surrender. So I'd encourage you, even if if this isn't the first time you've prayed a prayer like this, that if you believe this, that you would pray this prayer. So here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. Go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it in your head and your heart. But I encourage you, wherever you are, online, in person, whatever, If you believe this, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I know I make mistakes. I know that I'm a sinner. And there is nothing I can do to save myself. At this moment, I choose you. I follow you. I surrender my life to you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you love me. I believe you're coming again soon. Thank you for your love. Thank you for how you have written the perfect end to my story. Amen. Go ahead and look up. If you prayed that prayer, boy, do I want to know. See, we want to celebrate that decision. We want to talk about what comes next. So if you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you've never been baptized, that is your next step. Baptism is this public declaration of that inward decision. And you go down into the water, kind of literally dunk you down. We've only lost two. It's, it's fine. That's the pastor joke. 
But you can go down into the water and that represents being dead to sin. You come out of the water, it represents being alive, made new in Christ. There's nothing magic about the water. It's just a way that we kind of symbolize that. And if you've never done that before, they are parties around here unapologetically because this is representing this hope, this joy, this peace that God is talking about. And the things in the book of Revelation remind us that God is in control and he has been the whole time from the very first chapter of the Old Testament to the very last chapter of the book of Revelation. He always has been in control. He always will be in control. And because of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross, we have the most hope-filled promise of any faith if we follow him. And so what we're going to do to end this series, I can't think of a more appropriate thing. There are no words that I can have that are more hopeful than the most hope-filled verse in the Bible. So we're going to read Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4 again one more time. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone. Say it with me, forever. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful that that's true. That's truth. It's trustworthy. There's a lot that we don't have figured out. There's a lot that I don't have figured out. But boy, we choose you. And when we choose you, there's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control that comes from you because you love us so much. You sent Jesus in the first place and it's true. So we do our best right now to choose you. We do our best to encourage everyone we know unapologetically to choose you because we know the end of the story. It's been spoiled for us in the best way possible. We surrender all of that to you. I know that we have weight. I have weight. We have pain. We have hurt. We have indecision. We have insecurity. We have all sorts of things that kind of keep prompting us to remove ourselves from you, the great, the grief, the hurt. I don't know what it is, but we surrender all of that to you. We lay it down because we know that you win. And that in that we are restored, that you have made us new. You have made creation new. You have renewed hope. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for conquering death. Thank you for the promise of heaven. We anticipate it. We're ready. We have one foot in one side and one foot in the other. We, we are ready, Lord. Thank you for being with us today in spirit. And I'm so excited about seeing you. Help us be a people that shows your love. Help us come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.